Let me open us with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the body of Christ and the family you have given us here at Lakeside. Lord, we come here today with different burdens and different joys and different sorrows and different concerns. And Lord, we've had different weeks. Some have had great weeks with nothing but joy and others have had traumatic weeks with unexpected hurdles that they had no idea were coming their way. Lord, in all of it, you're sovereign and we thank you for that and you've gathered us this morning. So I pray that we could individually and collectively still our hearts, still our minds so that we could focus on you. Pray that you would empower my brother John as he teaches us this morning in Sunday school, that he would be able to teach the word accurately and with power by your spirit and also pray for Pastor Steve as he preaches this morning and this evening and as he prepares to go to Italy. Lord, I pray that you give him clarity of mind to fulfill the high calling you've given him as a preacher of your word, but also to fulfill the high calling of being a husband who loves his wife. Lord, we thank you that the body of Christ exists to care for one another and we pray that we would do that with our brothers and sisters here at Lakeside. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, morning. fellow faith builders. (laughs) Good to be with you today. As Joe had said on Thursday, he asked if he was kind of getting things piled up and and asked if I could fill in this Sunday. And I have been always honored and privileged to, to open God's Word with you because as I always say, God's Word hits me before it hits you. But today we're going to be doing a study that I think after our prayer time that we just had fits in very well. Because we often pray for God's, for His will in our lives, in our plans, in our families, with our brothers and sisters at Lakeside. However, when our plans don't match God's plans for our personal lives or in a particular situation, how do we handle it? Praising God or pouting in our own pity party? Today we're going to look at the life of a prophet, and you probably will guess who it is, who didn't get his way, and instead of praising God for the salvation of lost souls, he pouted about a situation that didn't turn out like he planned it would work out. God's plans didn't match up with his plans, so he decided, I'm going to pout about it. But before we get too hard on this prophet, we need to look at the mirror of God's Word as we study this man and see if any or all of this applies to our own lives. Pastor Bruns uh, shared with our Sparks group in Awana last month that we all need to look at the mirror of God's Word and when we see something that God's Word reveals in us that needs attention, pray to God for Him to change it. Clean it up in His power by applying James 1.22, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Join me in the Old Testament book of Jonah. And beginning at chapter 3 verse 10 through the end of this small powerful book, we find our passage where we'll see three steps that determine whether Jonah was ready to praise God or pout when God changed Jonah's pre-plans. Jonah chapter 3, beginning verse 10 to the end of Jonah, the book of Jonah. Here's what it shares. 
When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. And the Lord said, Do you have a good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself, sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant that grew over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. And it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so he became faint and begged with all his soul to die saying, Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have a good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. And should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals? A brief background on the book of Jonah before we get to our passage today. In chapter 1, Jonah the prophet is given a mission from God. He tries to flee. God intervenes and Jonah is thrown overboard and swallowed by a great sea creature. Then in chapter 2, Jonah has a one-on-one -on -one prayer meeting with God inside this great creature of the sea. And Jonah sees he has sinned by trying to run from God. And the great sea creature throws up Jonah. Got indigestion. Chapter 3, Jonah is commissioned a second time by God for a mission to Nineveh and he obeys and he proclaims God's message to the Ninevites. You're going to be judged in 40 days. Jonah's plans of seeing great fire burning up the city of Nineveh and everyone in it are changed as the king of Nineveh and its citizens genuinely repent. And now we come to Jonah, chapter 3, verse 10. And that's the first step in determining whether Jonah will praise God or pout when God changes his plans. And that is God's grace displayed. We see that again here in chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. God saw their works. God looked at their works and their motives behind them and saw that they were genuine in repenting and turning away from their evil ways. We know what repentance is. It's going this way and it's turning the other way. Turning our back on what we had been doing and turning a new direction. 
All the evidence was declared in chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. We see what happened in Nineveh. The people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. And he issued a proclamation and said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And let them call on God earnestly, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we shall not perish. God saw their repentance was real. We see here it says, and God relented from the disaster and he did not do it. Some look at this and they say, well, God changed his mind. Well, that's not the case. J. Vernon McGee, acclaimed through the Bible evangelist, shares, we need to see that the city of Nineveh had two options when this man Jonah entered it and his message of judgment. They could reject God's message. They could ignore it. And if they did, they would be destroyed. God never changed that. Or they could accept God's message. They could turn to him and God would deliver and save them. But when they turn to him, he will always save them regardless of who they are. That's God's grace. That's God's mercy. Frank Gabelin, a past preacher and evangelist, adds, in perfect consistency with his justice and righteousness, he spared Nineveh because by heeding the warning, the city had qualified for mercy. And then Warren Worsby, former pastor of Moody Church in Chicago, shares, the phrase God repented might better be translated God relented, that is, changed his plan. From the human point of view, it looks like repentance, but from the divine perspective, it was simply God's response to man's change of heart. We're reminded throughout Scripture that no matter what we do, what we think, what we say, how we act, God knows the motive behind every bit of it. This past Thursday, that service with the inmates, we talked about that some because sometimes we think we can fool God. We can have a closed closet off and say, God, you don't touch this or I don't want to change this. God knows all about us anyway. And so when we open up to Him, we already are open to Him anyway, if that makes sense. He knows, I'm reminded in Psalm 139, He knows everything about us before it happens. He knows every thought we're going to have. He knows how many days we have here on this earth. But that's why every day we take it a day at a time. Can't rush God. God doesn't make mistakes. God has a plan for us. We try to, to fight Him at times, but when we're doing that, He can't work through us. And I've said many times and shared with you as well, I believe every day our goal needs to be that somebody who doesn't know Jesus sees a bit of Jesus in us. And hopefully that plants a seed in that person's life to at least think. Because when you get a close call, and I talk with men every day at the jail, when you get a close call and are almost killed or almost died or almost overdosed from drugs, it wakes you up. 
It's a wake-up call is what we call it there at Pinellas County Jail because it's God wanting to get our attention. He does that with us as well. Whatever it might be in our lives, sometimes we're looking everywhere but to Him. So every day we need to look to Him as we wake up and God gives us another day to serve Him. I've seen uh, inmates, uh, one inmate said this last week to me, he said, Chaplain, I'm tired of, of selling, I'm tired of taking drugs. Is it too late to accept Jesus? I said, are you still breathing? <laughs> said, yeah, I think I am. <laughs> well, I said, then it's never too late. So we don't know when our last day on earth is going to be, but we don't want to waste it. It's a privilege to, to serve the King of Kings every day. How has God shown us His grace? Can't number the times God's brought us through those deep waters in life. I had a CJS, a criminal justice specialist, at the jail, recently lost her aunt. She was very, very close to her aunt. Had an inmate in Central Division. That's the one that's not too bad of an area to be if you're in jail. Recently shared... He said, Chaplain, I want to talk to you because I'm getting ready to call my family to come pick me up. I've served 24 months. I've come from prison now to the jail to be picked up from my family who's come down from Michigan. And he said, I wanted to testify today that God's real because he's changed my life and I'm not going to falter when I get out of here. I'm going to continue to walk with Jesus. I thought, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. And I... Pray for him. I will continue to pray for him every day that he stays on the path God has for him. So God shows us his grace all the time. Other scripture gives us examples of grace. Genesis 6, 8. It says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Everything was chaos. Him and his family were the only ones who followed God. And yet through all of that, God showed his grace. He still had Noah and his family even though the rest of the world had turned from God. And of course, Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. I'm glad it's not dependent on whether we're good enough, but that God chose us. And that's something we can thank God for every day. There's the words to this old hymn, Saved by Grace. Uh, we sing that once in a while even here. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing. But oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king, and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. It's God's grace. Thank God every day for it. Because without it, we'd still be on that road. We'd be on that road that leads to hell, everlasting separation from God. The second step in determining whether Jonah will praise God or pout when God changed his plans is Jonah's reaction. We look here beginning at verse uh, 1 of chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. It displeased Jonah. He's not happy about it. 
the nerve of those Ninevites repenting. He wanted them to burn. That was his plan. To sit and watch them all be judged. So he is very, very angry. He's burning with anger. He's in a rage. The nerve of God here too. Because in verse 2, and I read this and I think, well, I think sometimes we are kind of like Jonah at times. But he says, I fled to Tarsha so you wouldn't show mercy. That's really what he's saying. I knew you'd do something like this, God. I was ready to see them all burn and now you're not going to judge them. You're not going to rain fire from heaven. That's what I wanted. That, those were my plans. So in verse 2, Jonah begins his second prayer. Remember the first one in chapter 2? We talked about that uh, several months ago where he had the one-on-one prayer time with the Lord. But now we see a second prayer here and, and he says, I don't want my reputation tarnished. You know what a prophet did in the Old Testament? He shared what God told him to share with the people. That was his mission. That was his calling. So he didn't want him going and warning the people of Nineveh, who was a great enemy of his people, warn them that in 40 days judgment was coming, and then it didn't happen. Boy, he, he might not have a great reputation back home. They might not welcome him back. They might say, Jonah, you prophesied this, and now it didn't happen. There's no escape clause for them repenting. Jonah didn't have that even on his agenda, that they might actually listen to what he was saying. And now the Lord wasn't raining fire on them, and so he's very, very angry. Jonah knew of God's grace and mercy. He had just been shown it. Remember when he was thrown overboard, there was God's grace and mercy that there was that great fish, that great sea creature, swallowed him. God commanded the sea creature to do it, and he did it. I'm sure he didn't want to go swallow Jonah on that cramped place inside. But Jonah needed a wake-up call, didn't he? He'd been going the wrong way. He was trying to escape what God had told him to do. And his plans were going to be changed. So he had just been shown God's mercy There's thoughts here. I want to share a little bit of what one inmate wrote about gray walls and green clothes. Linda Pendergrast uh, wrote this while in Ocala waiting to be put into the prison that they assigned her. Gray walls, green clothes, and gray ashen faces surround me with unwanted embraces. Harsh voices, loud voices, they pound in my ears from convicts and guards like auctioneers. Time has a rhythm, it's patient, painful, and slow, and I've got so many years to go. I'll read this Bible the chaplain gave me. What did Jesus do? I'll read and see. The Bible is deep, it's really profound, in its pages God's love and mercy abound. I've read John's Gospel, read it all through. Here's the shocker, what if it's true? Then I'm lost and going to hell, can I be saved in a cold jail cell? Dear Jesus, sweet Jesus, please be my king. I've read your word and I believe everything. Gray walls, green clothes, gray ashen faces no longer matter. Yes, I'm in my God's graces. 
Now I hear the voice so soft in my ear, the sound of my Savior who's always so near. Now I sing this song wherever I go. Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That's real. These are written by real people who are incarcerated for whatever reason. Some of them sentenced. Some of them a waiting sentence. But she has experienced God's mercy as we do every day. When God wakes us up, that's God's mercy. Saying, I'm giving you another day to serve me. Don't waste it. Use it wisely. In verse 3, Jonah continues his prayer and asks God to kill him. He says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. Jonah didn't get his way, so he's ready to die. Similar to Elijah's reaction in 1 Kings 19, after God destroyed the Baal worshippers and Queen Jezebel threatened to kill him, he says, I'm ready to die. God has shown His grace to the Ninevites and Jonah wants them zapped. <laughs> that's, that's the best word I can use here. We usually don't have that extreme reaction where we're asking God to die when we don't get our way, when God changes our plans. We don't need to have that kind of reaction because we're in the hands of Almighty God. No one is greater than God. And it says in Scripture that He's put us in the right hand, His right hand, no one can snatch us out. Is Romans 8.28 true or not? We know that all things work together. And I remind the inmates, what does all mean? All means all, that's all means. Totally, 100%. God is working in our lives and sometimes despite us. Sometimes when we're not having the right reaction when he changes something in our plans. But again, we have that choice. Am I going to praise God that he's changed my plans or am I going to pout about it? As we see here with Jonah, he's going to pout. The third step in determining whether Jonah will praise God or pout is God's loving rebuke. And I look at these verses, it brings tears to my eyes because this all hits me as well, before I share it with you. It says there in verse 4, And the Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? He's saying, Jonah, think about what you're doing here. Think about, as a prophet of God, here's what you're doing because I've shown mercy and grace to the Ninevites. I've changed your plan. You wanted to see a bonfire of all these people killed, but... That wasn't the case because they truly repented. This question was God's answer to the prophet's request for death. Jonah, check out your anger. Was this a righteous anger or was this a wrong anger? Sometimes God uses that with us. He says, pause and think about your motives. Think about what you're doing. When we're angry sometimes, well, often we don't think straight, do we? And we're focusing on the anger rather than what does God want me to do in this situation. So in verse 5, Jonah doesn't answer. God has asked him this question. Jonah doesn't answer, but he acts out his reaction. Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself, sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen to the city. (laughs) 
Wow. I'm so reminded of God's patience. Patience with Jonah, patience with us. Here's Jonah, it says, and I can picture this. He's crossed his arms. He sat there up on the side of the hill there by the city and says, I want to see some fire here. That's what I want. I'm going to pout. I'm ready to die because I'm so angry. But yet God shows patience here as he shows patience with us. How many have enough patience for every situation? (laughs) That's the one thing we never get enough of, do we? We don't like to wait. We want to be in a hurry. God says, wait for my timing. My timing's never late, never early. It's right on time. So we see here Jonah saying, I'm just going to go out here and I'm going to make me a shelter. I'm going to see if I'm going to get my way. God has already shown mercy to the Ninevites, and Jonah didn't get what he wanted, and so now he's going to sit there, and he's just going to wait. And here we see an example in verse 6 of God's mercy. So the Lord appointed a plant, grew up over Jonah to be shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. (laughs) Here comes a plant to give him some shade. must have been hot. The the winds would blow and blow right at him. If you're out there in that kind of heat for very long, we know how it is even in Florida, don't we? Uh, July, August, when we get in those hot months, uh, we know how hot it can get here. But this was kind of an open area. And so God, in his grace, causes a castor oil plant, that's what many believe it was, to grow up supernaturally to provide him some shade because his homemade shelter wasn't going to work too well once the blazing sun started bearing down on him. How often does God supply that divine mercy plant for us when we are stubborn because things didn't go how we planned or how we thought it should go. And we get that mercy plant as is shown here for Jonah. And it says Jonah is very happy. He might have been even smiling for this cooling plant to protect him from the scorching heat. However, verse 7 tells us something happens to the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant And it withered. Oh, wow. Here's this great plant that Jonah's all happy about, still waiting to see the fire from heaven to destroy Nineveh. And a worm shows up. God appointed a worm. Boy, God's in charge of everything, isn't he? Amen. So thankful. Boy, I'll tell you, I, I think, you know, my own life too, how many times I was so glad that that God intervened when my plans weren't working out how I thought they should. And I'm sure that's true in your life as well. So this caterpillar or worm chews on the plant, it withers up, and it dies. So now this plant that was protecting him from the scorching sun, the blazing sun, the the wind isn't there anymore. Because we see in verse 8, came about when the sun came up. God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. 
Have you ever seen uh, what heat exhaustion or, or heat stroke? Has, have you ever experienced it or seen it? When I was in the military, we did training in a place called Fort Irwin, California, by Death Valley. And that's really what it is. In July, one summer, we were down there. It was 125 in the shade. And one thing you have to watch over there when you're in that kind of heat, you can't drink enough water to stay hydrated. You just drink and drink and drink. But it just kind of goes right out of you because of the heat and because of the winds. Well, I remember while we were deployed down there, I saw heat stroke with several of our soldiers. And what they had to do was they had people that were watching the operations that were going on because we did all kinds of training there. And they would drive around. If somebody needed to be driven into the hospital, they'd get them there quick because heat stroke is very serious. And I remember seeing a couple of soldiers. They had a strap to the, the front of the Jeep to bring them so they could get in and get to the hospital before they, they died, literally. So it's very serious. Uh, it's not something that I would wish on anyone. And of course, when you start getting dehydrated, what are you supposed to do? Electrolytes and water. Uh, replenish that. So anyway, here, this is going on with Jonah. Uh, he's got a scorching heat. The wind is, is beating down on him. And he might be getting close to heat stroke at this time. He might be a little delusional because now he says again, I wish to die because I'm undergoing all this, this wind and this sun. So in verse 9, God questions Jonah again. Again, God's patience, just like it is with us. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? saying, think a minute here, Jonah. This plant here, I provided this plant, and the worm came, and it chewed it up, and it died. But do you have a reason to be so angry here that you still want to die? And of course, what does he say? Jonah says, I have good reason to be angry, even to death, over the plant that had been helping keep the wind and the sun off of him. Again, God's patience with us and with Jonah. Jonah's being given an object lesson of what is more important to God and should be to us. Plants or people. As we reread verse 10, Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. As in verse 10, uh, God summarizes Jonah's pity, compassion for a plant that God caused to grow one night and die the next day. Very temporary. But now the point of the object lesson, verse 11. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh? The great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals. What's the point? God says, shouldn't I show mercy and grace on 120,000 little children, uh, probably a, a total population around 200,000, plus all their livestock? What's the point, Jonah? What is God teaching Jonah and us? Obviously, 
What was missing in Jonah's approach as a prophet, a missionary for Jesus, was a compassion. He didn't show compassion. That mercy, that grace that God has already shown many times in Jonah's life and as He's shown to us. Salvation. That's the ultimate God's grace, God's mercy. We didn't deserve to be saved. It was by God's grace. Salvation from the beginning to the end is all God. And that we need to remember sometimes when we look at that person. This is a lesson for me as well. That person who's persecuting us. God sent Jesus to die for our sins. God chooses us not because of who we are, but because of who God is. And the fact that anybody is saved is God's grace. We're all sinners saved by grace. You must remember we, like the Ninevites, at one time were living in sin. Not caring about offending God, but God chose us. Here's something else that I want to share that I just received. I received actually, uh, I think, well, Joe mentioned this earlier about loaves and fishes. There's actually a magazine called that, written by a little church in Pennsylvania that poems and stories that are written by inmates, they put it together and they publish it whenever they have enough funds to do so. This one I just received This was written by Richard Sanders. He's incarcerated at Mount Meigs, Alabama, and it's called Seasons of Change. Seasons of earth, seasons of life, seasons are factors which can't be denied. From winter to spring, from spring to summer, from summer to fall, from fall to winter, earth's seasons are ordained to the Lord. The orbit, the turning, the tilt of this orb. Seasons of life are as subject to change from joy to sorrow, from delight to pain. Though this may be confusing, hard to understand, these changes too are God-given to man. If we never had troubles, then no occasion to grow. If only good times are need for God, we'd not know. Tempests and trials serve to teach and to train. Times of rest are God-given, but seldom remain. God remains constant as our seasons change. If our eyes stay on Him, then from fear we refrain. Remember, He has purpose for all He allows. So when you feel forsaken and your life feels bowed, accept His grace, keep the faith, and press on. For He loves you without measure. You are forever His own. Again, I'm always humble when I read those because a real person wrote that and wrote that to encourage us. And many of them are headed toward long sentences down the way, but God is with them. Some Bible scholars and commentators believe Jonah took this object lesson and returned to Nineveh to disciple the new believers. Well, others simply don't want to speculate, and I won't speculate, but I I just share what I found in this study. Jonah chose to pout when God changed his plans. What about us? God's always changing our plans. It says in Isaiah 55, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways. My ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. 
It's so true. How many times have we been on a road leading? We thought it was leading over here and the Lord said, no, I need you to change direction right now. And so he changed it. Or we saw it and we said, with your help, Lord, I want to change the direction I'm going. And we said, praise the Lord. You changed my direction. I know I was headed the wrong way. Do we praise God when he changes our plans? Or do we do like Jonah here? Sit and pout. Cross our arms and say, God, you better give me what I want. God says, I will give you what you need. Because I love you too much to give you what you want. Praising God for his mercy should always be our song on this earth. We have one life to live for him. Let's not waste another day, but praise him when he displays his mercy and grace in changing our plans and not waste time pouting, as we see here with Jonah. After all, he displayed his grace and mercy to us. The ultimate, he saved us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the example of Jonah. Father, we know we have a a choice every day when you change our plans. Lord, we need to thank you and praise you because there's a purpose. You've told us in your word and you can't lie, so we trust you. And we want to follow you even when, when our plans are changed. And help us not to pout. That's the human way. When we don't get our way, it's to pout. But Lord, help us to look to you and, and everything that you bring into our lives that, that we can just praise you, that, that we can serve you today, that we can walk with you today, that we can show a little bit of Jesus to those around us so that those around us, those that are chosen, Lord, will be saved. Because Lord, it's all about you and not about us. Thank you, Lord, again for this time together. And I just pray your Holy Spirit would apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.